Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, friends beyond the binary, my patron papes, it's the only time I can sing to you, my patron papes, thanks. Uh, hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep, well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep, we do it's a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. I'm going to do the rest. What I'm going to attempt to do is create a safe place where you could set aside whatever's keeping you awake, whether it's thoughts, you know, things you're thinking about. Usually those are thoughts. They're not even, here's the thing, I'm not even thinking about them. I'm like, what are you doing there? How'd you get there? So things on your mind or within your mind or all around your mind. Feelings, those could be emotions coming up because of those thoughts or the, that are just there. Or they're like a wave from the day or the far past that hasn't quite receded yet. Because not everything's like a beach, you know what I'm saying? So thoughts, feelings, physical sensations uh, that could be related to thoughts, feelings are just on their own that are there could be changes in your routine, your location, your schedule, whatever it is. I'm here to take your mind off stuff and keep you company as you drift off. And what I'm going to attempt to do is create a safe place where you could, oh, where you could set aside whatever's keeping you awake. Also a repetitive place. Holy, you see, sometimes being repetitive is reassuring, but not reassuring like, I'm not an actuary, which I'm not even positive what that is, but I think it involves numbers and stuff. You'd say, okay, thank goodness you're not an actuary. So, oh, what was my, oh, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to create a safe place. Uh, I'm going to smooth it. I'm going to pat it. I'm going to rub it down. The safe place, not, you know, that's what I'm rubbing down. And my elbows, of course. And I'm going to send that across a deep, dark night, lulling, soothing, creaky, dulcet tones, pointless meanders, superfluous tangents. I'm going to go way off a topic, which I've already done, but further afield is where I'll be at some point. All to keep your mind, take your mind off stuff and keep you company. Now, if you're a regular listener, holy cow, what's up? So good to have you back. So glad I can help you. Thank you so much for listening to this show on a regular basis. I'm I'm really honored to be here. Now, if you're new, though, this I want to give you some information. Regular listener, they're already like kind of used to all this nonsense, where you might not be, and that's totally normal. So a few things to know right up, well, kind of up front if you're new. One, this podcast is not for everybody. It's just a little bit, it's, it's not a little bit different, but it, it just isn't for everybody. It's not everybody's cup of tea. But for everybody who's said it's their cup of tea, it's not like a regular tea where they say the first taste, they say, oh boy, is that green mint with, uh, or is that a cam, you know, vanilla, is that vanilla sleepy time? Oh boy, it's it's, just, it's like sleepy time, but with vanilla. Like, this is not like that. You say, well, this is, is this tea? Are you sure this is tea? But then after two or three tries, you say, hmm, this is a tea I enjoy now. At first, I wasn't sure because I said, is that some sort of uh, bitter melon or a tea? And you say, now it's a flavor I look forward to if you become a regular listener. And that's what most regular listeners say, like 95% of people that listen to this podcast on a regular basis. And because it's free, just give it a few tries and see how it goes. I really hope it can help you, but I can't guarantee it. But I do want the show to help you. And I'm going to give you more information just so you kind of I can try to win, win over your trust a little bit. So podcast isn't for everybody. Even the people it is for don't like it on the first couple tries. Uh, other things to know. One, this isn't a podcast you really listen to. It's a podcast you barely listen to. Like uh, your, uh, like this is not a like like an imaginary that imaginary Nana voice in your mind when you're going out. You're trying to go out, and then this is uh, oh boy, you're going out like that, and you say yeah, uh, was uh, well, you're not going to bring this, this or that. Do you have any galoshes? 
And you say, Nana, I don't even know what a goulash, I don't know what a goulash, like, is it a, I don't even know what a goulash is or a goulash is. But it sounds like the way you said it, they come in pairs. I believe, is are those like, uh, like, I'm going to giggle when I say this to you, Nana, are those like rubbers, uh, like shoe protect, like, uh, for my shoes, I mean. She, oh, boy, oh boy, you might as well not. You're gonna go. You're gonna talk. You're gonna talk to somebody with that mouth uh, and that mind. And then, what was my point? Uh, I have no idea what my point is. Uh, oh, this is a podcast you don't listen. Normally, when you're in a more uh, grounded state, you say, "Uh huh, Nana. I am Nana. Do you want me to get you anything? Like a, a person, well-adjusted person. I'm not that person, but." When Nana says those things, she say, oh, boy, like, uh, yeah, Nana, I'm headed out. Uh, I'm headed out just like this, but uh, did you have some advice? Oh, galoshes? Nana, maybe I'll pick. I don't own any galoshes, Nana, but I'll look for some while I'm out. Or, you know, my my, my celebratory, uh, you know, midsummer days coming, if you want to put those under the old uh, giving tree, it would be great. I'd love to have some galoshes, Nana. Great idea. I gotta go. Do you want again? Do you want me to have, fetch anything? Butterscotch candies, root beer, whatever those hard root beer barrels are. Oh boy, I'll see you soon. Can't wait. I'll be counting the moments. Oh, you live within my mind. Oh, so you're coming with me? Let's go then. So that's uh. Oh, so you don't need to listen. That was kind of listening. It'd be more like a passive aggressive version of that adjusted person. We say, uh huh, Nana. Oh yeah, galoshes. Oh boy, do I. I don't have galoshes. I have galoshes, galoshes is, is, is in my trunk, a trunk full of galoshes. Remember when I put out that song, to that 80s song or 90s song, Pocket Full of Kryptonite? It was trunk full of galoshes t- tonight uh, and every night. So that would be, so this, but this is a podcast you just kind of go, uh-huh, okay, Scoots, oh boy, uh-huh, galoshes, eh? You like saying that, don't you? Are you going to say Galash I next? Oh, boy. Uh-huh. Then Scoots will go East or East. Uh, uh-huh. So that's one thing. Uh, you don't need to listen to me. Also, this is strange, but this is a sleep podcast. There's no pressure to fall asleep. One, I'm going to be here for an hour, so you have plenty of time to fall asleep. But the other thing is these episodes are complete. So if you can't sleep, I'm here to keep you company, and I'll be here to the very end. So you can drift off whenever you want. There's no pressure to listen and no pressure to fall asleep. I'm here to keep you company, to apply for the position of boar friend, boar bay, boar cuz, boar sib, uh, boar bestie, boarbra, whatever it is. Uh, if you're in San Diego, that's for San Diegans and stuff. Uh, so I'm here to keep you company as you drift off. Um what else? Oh, structure. That's another thing that can throw new listeners off. Uh, so let me tell you a little bit about the structure of the show. Starts off with a greeting. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, friends beyond the binary. That's to make you feel welcome and let you know you are welcome here. Then there's a business. That's how we keep the podcast coming out twice a week. Then there's an intro. Sometimes new listeners particularly get the business and the intro mixed up, or they say, well, why do I got to sit through the business? And I say, well, it's a sleep podcast. We got to do it up front. But here's the thing. If you're new, you don't got to listen. You could practice not paying attention. If you're a regular listener, I do need to listen to that part. But so then there's the intro, which can sound like business, but it's really the business of not like a nonsense because it's just where over 900 times I've described how the podcast works, and I'm going to keep you company. I introduce myself to the new listeners. I go off topic a few times. Maybe I talk to the Nana within my mind. But it's like something borrowed, something blue, and something new or whatever, so that uh, if you're new, you get an idea of what to expect indirectly and directly, as a matter of fact. And But if you're a regular listener... You say, okay, Scoot, this is going to be a little bit different so my mind doesn't adjust to it, uh, the, you know, the parts of me that keep me awake, but at least it's familiar, like uh, all the, my other favorite familiar things, you know, like my pillows or whatever, you know, or, you know, cupping the old elbows, like I say. Uh, so 
Um, what was my point in there is, uh, oh, uh, I don't know what my point. Oh, so the intro though, it's about 12 to 18 minutes. That's what can throw new people off. They say 12 to 18 minutes of introducing a podcast. And I say, yes, a sleep podcast though. So here's what happens. Like, uh, as you become a regular listener, you kind of start to experiment and build your bedtime routine around the intro. So for a few percentage of listeners, they just start to show 20 minutes or they listen to story-only versions on Patreon. For the rest of the listeners, they make different adjustments. Some listeners wake up and start listening to the podcast. Some listeners start the show before they get into bed as they're doing their wind-down and bed prep routine. Some listeners are in bed getting cozy and maybe doing some sort of other mellow activity. And some listeners are drifting off into sleep, so you can just kind of see how it goes. But the the idea of the intro is to take some distance away from the day and to ease you into bedtime. And then there's business between the intro and the episode. Then there'll be the episode. It'll be our episodically modular serial series, Otter Things. That's O-T-T-E-R-T-H-I-N-G-S, which has a tagline, All Will Be Well. And that's a show, like a series, but you can listen to it in any order. So you could listen to tonight's episode 8, I think. You could listen to episode 8 because it will fill you in on everything you need to know. And then the other episode, it would be like this is episode 1 and the first seven episodes are prequels. And the survey says everybody loves a prequel. So seven pre. you say, okay, you're telling me there's like episode 8, 9, 10, 11... And there's seven prequels. Holy moly. And I'd say, yeah, that is like, a, I'd say it's like a holy poly or something for pre- prequels. Uh, but yeah, holy prequelies. So, and then there's some thank yous at the end. So that's the structure of the show. And I think that's most of the stuff you need to know. Other than this, like the reason I make the show is because I've been there even recently, two nights ago. So I know how it feels, tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep, all those things. And it's just not pleasant being tired or overtired or cranky. All those things I've experienced very recently, uh, but not right now. Right now I'm here to keep you company, so I'm happy. I feel good. So that's one part of it. The other part is you deserve a good night's sleep. You deserve a place where you can rest and relax And you deserve to wake up and feel like ready and energized to face the day. I mean, not every day, but, you know, most of the time at least. And I really want to live in a world like that where you're rested because that means you're going to be flourishing. And our world will be a better place, truly, if your world's a better place. So that's why I'm here. That's what I do. Again, give it a few tries and see how it goes for you. You really have nothing to lose. I mean, other than the people that already turned it off, that really don't get, like, they don't, I don't know, even those people, especially recently, I've gotten more and more reviews of people that loathed, stronger than loathed me. And those were, I mean, that's just my family members and other people, like, uh, and then said, eventually the guy used to, like, I realized, oh, wait a second. Uh, like, I don't loathe this podcast. It's just different. Like, that met whatever. I thought it was tea, and then I said, well, this doesn't taste like tea. And I said, oh, it does taste like tea, just not the, what I was expecting. So that's all you really need to know other than I'm here to help. I'm going to do my best, uh, which, you know, some people would shrug at, but... uh I'm going to do my best. I'm here to keep you company to take your mind off of stuff. I really appreciate your time and checking this show out. And, uh, yeah, that's it. And here's a couple ways we're able to bring this podcast twice a week. All right, everybody. It's uh, Scoots here. And I'm just going to turn the mic over. This is our episodically modular, serialized series that you could listen to in any order. And the reason you can listen to it in any order is because our host, uh, 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 Emma Otter, is going to run through everything you need to know uh, because uh, she's been doing that. I said, I I can't believe I found these tapes uh, that are perfectly ready for episodically modular recording. So that's pretty cool. So without further ado, oh, this is the name of the series is Otter Things, O-T-T-E-R Things. And it's hosted by uh, one 
Emma Otter. Uh, take it away, Emma. Uh, hello, everyone. This is Emma Otter. I wanted to say I'm Otter reporting, which I kind of am doing. But this is a bit more like a personal. Well, I'm talking just to you, the one you're listening to this story. It's a tale of some odd things that happened in our community. I, Emma Otter, live in a place, a swamp, uh, a swamp-based community, you know, in a swamp, part of a greater swamp area, region, and we're all swamp-based beings. Or I don't know, I think a scientist would say that. You're a swamp-based being, Emma. It's a woman, Otter. I'm also a part of my family, then I'm part of a community, and I'm a lot more than those things. But sure, you could say that I would agree with you because I'm a being based in a swamp. And we're also beings based in a swamp, based in a larger swamp. Um, And you might technically say it's one big swamp, but not to us. uh, Because, of course, there's other communities in the swamp, bigger towns. And at River Bottom, you'd say, is a small city. So on three sides of our community, because we're right up against the border, three sides, there's swamps uh, as far further than the eye can see. But on one side of our town, it's bisected by a road. And beyond that is a place beyond the swamp where no one goes uh, or is supposed to go. It's actually it's bisected by a road that's raised up out of the swamp, uh, and then there's a more swamp on the other side, but it's just a part of the swamp we don't go to. And it, you know, it behaves differently because the road is there interrupting the natural flow of the swamp. Um, but our community and the road has been there for so long that it's just normal to us. We don't even, I don't even really know much about it. Other than we don't go on the road or to the place beyond the swamp. We'll look at it. And sometimes there's mysterious vehicles on the road. But none of that is important right now because I'm here to tell you what odd things happened. Now, I'm Emma. I live with my family. My brother, Tefe, is in high school. I'm in middle school. I want to do this a little bit more efficiently, catching you up. I have uh, some friends, uh, Willow, Vaughn, and LJ, and a new friend, Billy, my brother Tefe is in the same class as Willow's sister Dari in high school. We're all in middle school. Uh, okay, so that's uh, okay. Oh, so let me tell you what odd thing happened. We play a game, a role playing game called Bards and Big Bunnies. And one night after our game, everyone went home. We played it at my house, Vaughn, LJ, and Willow. Willow took a road less traveled, and we thought she moved away to start her music career. And there was clues left that led us to believe she did move to Riverbottom, recorded an album. It was an album that had a lot of goofs on her town. And, like, of me, I thought she was one of my best friends. Uh, And so that was it. And... Uh, we were all sad, but we didn't necessarily believe it. We said, maybe, what if uh, uh, Emma, or what if Willow, uh, Emma, my friend, said to me, what if Willow didn't, uh, what if Willow took a path less taken somewhere, like in a goose chase or something else, like in a game of big bards and big bunnies? While we were looking for uh, Willow, we met Billy, a duck-billed beaver, who had come from the place beyond the swamp, the visitor center, through the tunnel. I think through the tunnel. Actually, we never asked. Did we ask her? I don't know. And Billy had been living in the place beyond the swamp, and Billy also had superpowers or magic powers or powers of uh, psychic powers where she could do this uh, throat singing, and uh, it would cause different things, like cause you to freeze or touch your nose, or run away, different things like that. So that was happening, and we said, okay. And then we thought we could use Billy's powers to find Willow. But LJ, our friend LJ said, why are we messing with this Billy person when we we should just be looking for Willow? 
which was like a legitimate thing. But we said, no, she's got powers and she's nice. Uh, let's just like, uh, let's, let's work together. But then recently we, we set out using, um, uh, tuning forks, electromagnetic tuning forks to find the sympathetic vibration, which we believed led to the place beyond the swamp where, where or what we thought it would lead where Willow was, but it, it really, Billy was scrambling it. So then LJ got very displeased with Billy and said so with strong words. And then Billy used her powers to make uh, LJ run away. Then we used strong words with uh, Willow to say that's not okay. And then, or with uh, Billy, I'm sorry. And then Billy ran away. Or we, like, we kind of shamed Billy a little bit. Okay, so that's what's going on with me. I'll pick that up. I went home. It was evening. Meanwhile, Dari and Tefe also, over a course of time, came to believe that, uh, Willow's album was not real, and Willow was someplace beyond the swamp. They discovered a big goose bunny uh, that uh, was living somewhere underground and had a nursery, also a place, a playhouse, a giant playhouse version of our town because this bunny's big and a goose bunny. And also a nursery where uh, the big goose bunny may be keeping, we don't know this, uh, Willow and uh, Dari's friend Babs uh, in, in like singing to them and treating them like they're babies or dolls. Some of this is a leap in logic, but I want to fill you in on everything because you would, if you, you know, you're getting a chance to put that leap in logic. So they're still searching, but they had discovered that a lot of that uh, recently. Meanwhile, the head of our community resource team, Bull, Leon, the bullfrog, we call Leon or Bull. Well, we call him Mr. 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 Community Resource Officer. And Willow's mom, Francis, have been looking for Willow. And they've had quite a journey thinking, okay, Willow's gone. Willow's not gone. Willow did record an album. Willow didn't record an album. I know my daughter wouldn't do that, except that your daughter would. Back and forth, you know, with everybody involved. They have eventually re- realized uh, by, like, uh, deduction, inference, uh, like, investigation, something's odd is going on at the place beyond the swamp involving Willow. So that's really where we are. And I can kind of kind of catch up on where everybody is currently. So the place beyond the swamp is actually a laboratory run by a fox named Max Modine, and they are looking for Billy and trying to figure out where Billy is. So that's what's happening there, and also uh, they're doing something else, obviously. Uh, LJ is at home not speaking to me or Billy or Vaughn. Willow has gone off on her own and is uh, w- was sleeping. Uh, I guess you could tell you where, I, I, where I've been and where everything that's going on. So I went home after the whole bill. We couldn't find Billy, so we went home. Vaughn went to Vaughn's house. I went to my house. And I was seriously frowny-faced because... Uh, he said, where, like, my friends don't get along. I couldn't manage it. Then I lost my, t- you know, t- top a little bit and yelled at uh, Billy, who's, you know, not from around here. So how's Billy supposed to know? Or who does define, you know, what behavior is allowable with superpowers? So there's that. And so I kind of like was looking at the uh, blanket fort where we had Billy sleeping in my basement and I was frowny facing, also kicking some pillows and, you know, just just not happy. And let's see, uh, Francis and Bull had headed to the library in the morning, of course, uh, and they were going to look into some things. 
I think that's everybody. Dari and uh, Dari and uh, Tefe, they've been on their own adventure, which I think we should you should be pretty caught up on. Uh, they're actually, yeah, it kind of went through all that in the last recording I made, just because I had all those notes prepared. So let's start at the lab. Or the place beyond the swamp, the visitor center. Doctor Max Modine, in a team of larger, the like larger swamp area community resource team, which is just a like like a misuse of words, uh, because they don't necessarily believe in soft power. They believe that power is uh, something that's powerful. And Billy's tied in that some way. And they also believe in D-E-C-E-P-T-I-O-N. So they've been trying to track down Billy by listening in to everybody's conversations because they have like way they have these big ways of collecting sound. But they decided to take a more active thing. And and they posed as this group that comes town to town that's against Bards and Big Bunnies. Um and sometimes there's even reporters from River Bottom or Henson Town or other places. And there's this one, uh, uh, like, uh, reporter, G- Gerald, all, Ger- Ger- Gerald, uh, and Gerald, uh, we thought was up until, and I, get, I don't mean to spoil this for you, we thought was a reporter, really works for the Greater Larger Swamp Authority or something. And also Gerald were like, we thought Gerald was independent of this group of concerned parents about bards and big bunnies. Uh, it's like C concerned, a C A cap. I think cap is what they're called, or, but, uh, and they go around saying to parents in different towns that go, they say the same thing about comic books and music though. They say, do you know that children that play bards and big bunnies believe in supernatural powers uh, beyond our understanding? And that it's a, you know, it's a game teaching. And they say, well, my kids seem pretty resilient that play. Like, it teaches them resilience, right? Oh, no, no, the wrong kind of resilience. My parents definitely didn't go for it because they had come a couple of years ago. And they say, my parents said, well, teach them problem solving and uh, performance and creative, creative problem solving, uh, math, uh, uh, you know, conceptualization, image, you know, all these things. They said, yeah, but the wrong kind, not the kind you watch your children practicing. Do you want your children to believe in a world with big bunnies uh, that might come and, uh, take your community resources and reappropriate them and that magic's going to fix that. And then usually my mom says, well, actually it's not the magic that fixes it's the proper use of magic within a problem solving conduit. But anyway, usually like my mom just doesn't have patience for him. This is all to say that this organization may independently exist, but at this point they'd sent out a version of this organization or the actual organization going, and they went to our teacher's house, uh, Professor Moose. And they did a one-two thing on old Professor Moose, who's really, uh, like, good at, like, uh, you know, advocating for students. But they did a one-two. So they sent the organization first, to this, uh, and they said, well, we're a, a group of concerned parents, and we know that, uh, you know, you, you, you've you been known to discuss Bards and Big Bunnies. We know that you played it as a youth, you know, for edition two or whatever. And, uh, you know, we need to know what youth are currently playing Bards and Big Bunnies so we can help uh, balance the scales and Professor Moose said, well, I don't really know. I'm, first of all, you're in my house uh, or my home. I don't know what, like, Professor Moose said, well, are you concerned parents locally? And they said, no, no, no. We're part, yeah, we're part of your, your gen- broader community. They said, well, whose parents are you? And they said, our children's parents. And your, ch- you know, it sounds like we have to be a parent more than just our children. And then Professor Moose tried to, you know, the same thing as my mom, but what they had in their back pocket was out of a van, 
came Gerard, uh, the reporter, with cameras. Now, just like anybody, you assume the cameras are running live in real time. So Gerard said, "Did you, you hello, are you a teacher? Oh, boy, holy cow, what is this you're teaching children? Did you hear what happened in Frau? And Professor Moose said, no, no, I didn't hear what happened in Frau. And Gerard said, well, that was where Bards and Big Money's, uh, and he, Gerard told some tale, not true, actually, actually fiction. Or a misaccounting of events about something that happened in Frufrufrau, some forest community or something. And I said, people play big bards and big bunnies in forest communities too. That's so cool. Wonder if any, like uh, squirrels, I'd love to hang out. I'd love to have a squirrel as a friend. Not if any of my friends are listening, don't worry. But Gerard played like a reporter that was more flash than substance. But really, the person playing the reporter was just brilliant because they said, well, boy, well, if only we had some examples, like you're saying, Professor, of children who had uh, like, what if maybe what you're saying is right, uh, that we need children that are using this game to learn resilience and self-esteem and problem solving, world building. You're saying that even uh, these children use some sort of, like, Bards and Big Bunnies teaches them restorative methods of, uh, like, justice and and right and wrong and nuance. Uh, Wow, I'd love to interview them. Turn the cameras off. Let me just talk to Professor Moose. And then Professor Moose said, well, really, if you want to do that, yeah, if the cameras are off. And send those parents, those fake parents away. Like, uh, and Professor said, well, these are some of the students that have really benefited from playing Bards and Big Bunnies. Uh, and Gerard said, well, thank you, Professor. Wow, you've really... Uh, and then the vans drove off. Uh, but really, they were from the, the, the visitor center and the place beyond the swamp the whole time. And so what they did next was they, like, Professor told them Vaughn... LJ and me and uh, Willow. So then they started watching our houses uh, to find out if Billy was with us. That was their plan. And they had our houses watched out. Now, we had already left my house in the morning and we had drove, rode, rode our swamp water bikes over to uh, to LJ's house. To uh, Vaughn had come to my house and said, well, you need to go to LJ's house and apologize because you raised your voice first and all that. Uh, we have to work it out. We have to stick together. But we went to LJ's, and LJ just really believed strongly in finding Willow and not using Billy. Or then also I said, well, I said, listen, I was wrong. And so can we go find Billy, and then we'll find Willow. And then LJ said, don't you, haven't you been listening? We're trying to find Willow, not trying to find Willow and LJ or Willow and Billy, and Billy's the one that got us into this, that whole thing. And I said, well, I can't agree to that. I want to find a... And then LJ said, well, then if you'll excuse me, I'm going to prepare to go find my friend Willow. You can go find this Billy duck-billed beaver that I don't find trustworthy, and I will go find our friend Willow who apparently is my best friend, or at least I'm Willow's best friend by my actions. And so we headed off in our separate directions. But as we left, uh, we didn't register it. But in the back of LJ's mind, LJ registered that LJ saw a van that said that on the side of the van, uh, uh, whatever, Coba, 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 or whatever, concerned parents about Bards and Big Bunnies. And it even had on the side of the van, like, the reverse. Because sometimes, like, in the old school days, like, Professor Moose, they had, like, spray-painted vans with, like, cool Bards and Big Bunnies murals spray-painted on them. But uh, this one had uh, the reverse of, like, uh, children frowning. And, and so so it caught, surprisingly, it didn't catch our eye. But And, and even LJ said, well... 
Oh, I guess parents are out looking for uh, comic books and bards and big bunnies. One move they would do if they had enough funding, which only happened after a Gerard report, was they'd try to buy all the, um, they'd go around or they'd have a t- t- turn in. So you'd buy, like, we're on the uh, edition number five. So what you could do is they didn't, you could tell they didn't know anything about the game because you could go to garage sales and build up your, this is free advice for anybody that's listening. And you build up your collection of first to second, third or fourth. Because you say, well, it's pretty cool, ephemeral to have, you know, to uh, ephemera or whatever. But they would come and they'd offer like candy or gift certificates or toys. Uh, and they say, turn in your bards and big bunnies or your comic books. So again, you could just get comic books you already read that aren't your favorites. You go, well, I read that once, so I don't need to read it again. So that's probably why LJ remembered it. But obviously we had more things on our mind. Now, let's see. Willow. Oh, not Willow. Billy. I'm having trouble with the names right now. Uh, Billy woke up and Billy uh, had slept out in the what we call darkened wood. Uh, the, woods, uh, the, the, you know, the woods where Willow took the path less taken. And the woods, they go pretty close to the road beyond the swamp. And Billy woke up, and then Billy was frowny, just like I was in some sense. Uh, and because Billy had felt like we were all becoming friends, and then Billy kind of had some self-blame for uh, making LJ run away. And, you know, was saying, well, I don't want to go back to the place beyond the swamp, so I don't want to lead them there. But there was also something deeper going on with Billy. But you also have to remember, Billy's just a kid, just like us, middle school age. So not wholly equipped to to deal with all of this. And so first, Billy, like, you know, kicked some leaves and uh, threw some acorns and looked like 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 a lake and said, frowny frown or whatever, swamp. I know we like we call it a lake, even though it's in a swamp. Because it's within, you know, you know what I mean. It's just an isolated area of water. And then Billy started to walk and think. And as Billy started to walk and think, one thinking about, uh, like, uh, that's morning time for sustenance. But also thinking about flashing back to when Billy lived in the place beyond the swamp below the visitor center. And that after Billy had discovered, like, the signs on the road and then the big sign that has, a, like, a, this tower of sorcery that went up and down. And then Billy had kind of heard something as Billy had headed down. That this was a little bit after that. And Professor Max Modine or whatever. Yeah, is it Professor Max Modine? In a lab coat, uh, the fox uh, said, uh, okay, Billy, you got to go and make contact and go all the way down. We need to find out if this tower, the part of the tower growing da- going down is organic or like uh, what. But also like whatever this other being is and what's down there. We need to get to the bottom of it. So I need you to get to the bottom of it. And Billy said, I don't know. And Professor Max said, don't worry. I'm going to be here and you're going to be able to do it and it'll be just fine. And Billy said, oh boy. And then they went into the like uh, one of the places down below the visitor center that Billy had been before, this sonic chamber, like uh, this big part of the like a lab. But it has this, like, sonic baffling that both, like, baffle sounds and sonically enhances them with Billy's powers. Like, when you're inside of it, it's so quiet that it's almost like, uh, I don't know if you've ever been in someplace so quiet that it's not comfortable, but that's how quiet it is. But then also all noises are magnified. And you can't hear anything outside, but you could see outside. So it's just not, you know, especially for a kid who was slightly younger at this point than middle school. 
And also, there's tons of people, which normally is not the case, like observing from different greater swamp authorities and greater, uh, I don't even know, mammalian? I don't know. Uh, people with, like, uh, olive and navy and buttons on their suits. Lots of lab coats. And then also it was a celebratory atmosphere. So they even had this band, the Rivertime Funtime Band, a famous, very famous band. And the band was playing the song, same song that Billy had sung, a signs song. Uh, and then playing another song, You've Got the Power. And, and also Billy said, Is there, are they saying getting, it's getting getting kind of hectic? Because And she said to Dr. Max Modine, like, I'm getting kind of hectic with the singing. And Dr. Max said, don't worry. Like, the band is just there to kind of keep our pop. Like, I thought you'd like it. And Billy said, I don't. And Dr. Max said, why don't you get in the sound baffle barrier amplifier thingamajig? And just, you know, think of a lullaby. And then when you get there, you know, whatever it is, is sing it a lullaby. Sing yourself a lullaby. You're going to be fine. This is all just sound-based projection. It's not real. And I don't want you to worry about it. Like, you do have the power, just like they said. And you you can sing a lullaby and... uh like, uh, you'll be fine. Just go find out what you can and need you to do this for me, okay? And really, I care about you deeply. And, of course, I would only have you do this if it was necessary, uh, in my view, for the greater good of all of the swamp and areas even beyond the swamp. And also because I'm intensely curious. And Billy said, okay, fair enough, I guess. And so Billy had got started getting settled in the uh, baffling thing. And while Billy was doing that, uh, Leon and Francis had gone to the library to research Dr. Max and the visitor center and the road and the place beyond the swamp, which uh, Leon had already been there. Yeah, but they kind of dug a little bit deeper, and they kind of said, okay, Francis said, okay, this was after they, okay, here's what I found. Uh, this Dr. Max is big on these human theories. He's old, you can, you know, it's kind of like uh, the idea that humans once walked the earth and or maybe the road and the vehicles are holdovers from humans or that humans are still around they never really left. Uh, Leon said, well, it's been proven the humans were never real, I thought, uh, that it's all just a myth. Uh, and he said, well, i just telling you what this Dr. Max, this was in Dr. Max's younger days. Looks like Dr. Max was raised in a home like that, like had that as a belief system, and the humans uh, were part of it. Uh, but then again, uh, Dr. Max took it to a different level. And Leon said, well, that's interesting, Francis, because what I've discovered is, like, some of the ways this uh, place is funded, it's funded by the Greater Swamp Authority and some other businesses, and it was just really strange. Like, some businesses then don't even believe in community resource sharing, but Dr. Max has been getting funding from both sides of, uh, like, a community, like, and even individuals that say, okay, we believe in the community and sharing and flourishing model. And those that believe in a more uh, defensive, uh, single-minded, all-or-nothing module— in some sense, this fox was like foxing both sides for funding and uh, seemed to be kind of doing investigations uh, based on, well, you one, yeah, the, the idea that humans could exist was uh, like one thing, keeping the defensive side funding them, but also the possibility of what would, you know, what would, w, what would our community do? They say, well, human, like, even in every human story, they don't like swamps. Uh, 
uh, and they said, well, that would make sense why they built that road through our swamp if their humans were real. Well, it's interesting because, uh, Francis said, because it looks like Dr. Max also had this rebellious side and, uh, like, like had a zine about bards and big bunnies as, like, as a, as a, as a teen or a university student and was big into the magic, uh, and stuff like, uh. Like almost like a, like the zine is almost like a real historical accounting of Bards and Big Bunny's events, even though it was a zine. And Leon said, "Well, that's really interesting because uh, uh, that's what kind of work Doctor Max has been doing down there. Looks like is is saying, uh, okay, like the whole thing about humans, and then looking at different uh, non-swamp beings." Uh, so there's like a river dolphin that was they were working with for a long time down there. And uh, then something called a platypus or something. And that uh, from that doesn't even live even anywhere like that lives from thousands and thousands of miles away beyond an ocean. And a couple other ones, but the splatopus is like a mammal that lays eggs, but but it's also, it's a duck-billed beaver, which brings up that question of like, didn't someone say this? I don't know, but uh, I guess there's something, well, that's, well, I know exactly what you're going to say because I was reading about that. Uh, so the, the dolphin and the duck-billed beaver, they all have... Uh, either other systems or organs that have powers, uh, electro, like uh, the, the platypus, I think, in, in, like has a, they, they, they have the ability to detect things, uh, like almost like a, a, a beyond another organ and sense beyond what we have, uh, sight, sound, touch, smell, and taste. And, uh, yeah, that the sound is a big part of that. Like a lot of them are based, uh, or frequencies beyond that. The, yeah, well, okay, that makes sense, uh, Francis, because they were doing work there. And yeah, Matt mentions platypuses, and it looks like this one dolphin's name is Desiree. Yeah, uh, that quit and 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 even filed like a. Uh, uh, like uh, said, I don't like like I don't. I never worked there. Well, do you think we could go talk to this uh, do- river dolphin? I, I think so. I managed while we were talking about it. I looked it up, uh, and yeah, the dolphins lives uh, not too far away. We we could if we get driving now, we could go check it out. Oh, oh one more thing is that. Uh, Baxter Max was also funding this uh, operation with music companies and other not affiliated nonprofits. Someone was looking into it, a reporter, but then they gave up. Uh, they were posting these anonymous blog articles. Okay, well, let's get to the bottom. Let's go look. Uh, let's go talk to this uh, dolphin. So they headed up to talk to the dolphin. And, uh, meanwhile, uh, let's see, where should I start? So let's see, I could tell you that, uh, LJ set out, uh, and started still using the electric, uh, tuning, electromagnetic tuning fork, uh, to f- follow the sympathetic vibration. And then LJ like, uh, realized that it was heading towards the place beyond the swamp. And then LJ went to the gate of the tunnel that goes underneath the road that we're never supposed to go near. And LJ used to stick and stuff uh, to see if it could, the gate was locked and LJ couldn't get the gate open. But it was definitely, and LJ was like, this is where Willow is. So then LJ crawled up the embankment towards the road. And now this road is like, holy cow, do not, uh, like, there's just mysterious vehicles, uh, gigantic ones that just go on this road. And we're just told not to think about it, that it's something, like, we don't need to know about 
And if we go on the road, there's no chance of telling when a vehicle's going to come, so don't go there. And LJ knew all that, but LJ was determined to, to get to Willow and to the place beyond the Swamp, the Visitor Center, and the Bog Walk. So LJ put LJ's ear to the road before crossing and then heard, like, something coming very fast. And LJ heard it, like, uh, of course, when you put your ear to something, it seems closer than it is. So LJ jumped uh, very fast up to the top of a sign, the sign that says no stopping at any time for any reason, animals, you know, not friendly in this area. And at first LJ was going to climb back down because, oh, it's just my imagination. Or maybe it was somebody sneezing or something. And then a giant truck came. And the only things LJ saw was that there was nobody driving it, no animal driving it or mysterious human. And that the top of the truck also had these giant reflective panels, uh, which I could just tell you are solar panels. Like, that's how the trucks are powered, I guess. Uh, and then LJ climbed back down and got closer to the bog walk, uh, uh, ran across the road, climbed another tree uh, that saw down into the visitor center. Uh, then uh, uh, Vaughn and I, we headed out. We were searching the woods and yelling. I said, hey, uh, Will, uh, Billy, where are you? And as we looked for Billy, the next thing we knew, the kids, uh, some of the kids from school that aren't nice that I told you about, uh, that think they're in the River Bottom Fun Time Band and they act like that. Uh, weasels is really what they are. They found us uh, and they started chasing after us and they ran us all the way to a different part of the road. Uh, and this was at the same time, like, uh, uh, like, so just like, but we were so far away from where LJ was, we didn't know. It. So there was no vehicle, but they said, go up the road uh, uh, to me. And I said, well, I can't go up the road. And, uh, like, uh, so that was, like, pretty t intense. Now, meanwhile, oh, Bull and Francis went to talk to the River Dolphin. They drove all the way out. Uh, I don't know if it was, like, a I don't know what the name of the place was, but it had, like, a, it was, like, a, like, beyond the swamp where there was deeper water, like, technically a river within a swamp, uh, where this river dolphin lived and eventually they like did some splashing and made some sounds. They tried to talk to this Desiree, the dolphin about it, but the dolphins can't sit still. And also neither one of them spoke dolphin and, uh, Desiree didn't seem to want to communicate in, uh, in, uh, whatever common, uh, but also they said, wait a second, this, uh, I don't know, they got the sense that, uh, like, Desiree had been through a lot dealing with the place beyond the swamp. Because uh, Francis just, like, just said, Jesus, my willow was like, uh, is there something, what happened there? And then the dolphin would, like, go backwards on its tail. And they said, well, please, we're just trying to figure out where my willow is. And then the dolphin would, splash, Desiree would splash them with the tail or shoot water at them. And they said, there's nothing cute about you flipping us off. You, you like, flip off. Uh, so that was, like, kind of, like, fruitless. Other than the fact that uh, it planted a seed in Francis's mind. Now, remember, all will be well. I only tell you these stories because all will be well. But it planted a, something in Francis's mind that she what if, uh, I don't want Willow ending up, like, running around like a dolphin just splashing me. Like, I thought dolphins were enlightened beings, uh, but, uh, like, it's also dolphins making farty sounds and stuff. Like, juvenile behavior from an adult river dolphin is, I guess, what Francis's exact words were, and the drive back. And as they drove back, they got a call on the radio, 
And Leon said, yeah, what is it? It was a community resource office. They said, yeah, we have a restorative case. We have to work on, uh, you know, amends need to be made. And, and you know, we need you here to, 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 to help uh, mediate uh, or arbitrate as soon as possible. And Leon said, I don't even got time for it. Who's even involved? And they said, Dari. Uh, mostly, and, and Willow's sister. And uh, then Leon said, oh, boy. And then, you know, Francis said, oh, daughter. No, it's my daughter. And then uh, Tefe, uh, they said, anyone else? And they said, Tefe the otter, the smooth otter, the smoothest otter in town. And Francis said, drive very quickly back there, please. So they headed back. Now, also, Billy uh, was walking around, and Billy found one of the store, one of our community stores, uh, Find and Dine. Uh, and Billy headed in there, and Billy kind of looked a bit different. Nobody's seen a duck-billed beaver before. Uh, Billy was also wearing, like, one of Tefe's warm-up suits, but it didn't fit, so he'd cut the— so, like, uh, people were staring at Billy— and Billy felt them staring and also had never been in a, like a fine and dine. It's like a grocery store and an everything store. So Billy was looking for someplace. And then Billy came across a display uh, for for uh, a pump, the pump up the jam puffs, uh, the version Billy had seen an ad for. Pump up the jam dino puffs. uh but it was like in, it was like a, and this is a strange synchronicity. It was a tower uh, because of this month uh, coming up, the Dino Puffs pump up the jam was like a, like a, like a tie in with Bards and Big Bunnies. And so Billy went in there and hid in the tower. It was a tower of uh, cereal boxes. Um, and Billy was looking at the backs of the cereal boxes, and then the manager was like, Excuse me, uh, are you a duck or a beaver? Um, can we help you? That's a display. You know, like Billy had already started to go back to when Billy started looking. Like, so Billy had discovered within the song, the signs, singing the song, the tower. Uh, which was like this thing, it said, go see the wizard's tower, you know, or the source tower sorcery. And just like Billy's last visit, Billy went and climbed up and then went in the tower and then headed down, and the tower was like, uh, it looked like it was originally supposed to be on the sign, uh, but it like had this crusty thing going down into the earth. Uh, and there was light, and Billy headed down there and headed deeper, didn't like it, but again, it's Dr. Max, Billy trusted Dr. Max, so Billy was humming a lullaby. But Billy heard something and saw carrot shards and also sensed some aliveness beyond that, uh, uh, that something odd was happening. And Billy kept going, though, because Dr. Max uh, like had uh, asked her to. And then Billy got down and headed in a direction and then started to hear some hopping, like uh, the tower or the tunnel had gotten bigger. And all will be well. And Billy kind of was singing a comforting lullaby. But then Billy sensed this bouncing coming towards and Billy knew the bouncing had heard Billy. Now, Billy was very smart. Uh, so Billy sang... And did knew she had these powers. So now Billy didn't know the game of Bart's and Big Bunnies, which was amazing. But Billy used this uh, power to do like this thing, like it called a mirroring spell or double image or something. I think it was uh, double image was the song. I don't know the song to be honest, but Billy sang a throat song that created like a mirror image or a, 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 like an illusion image of Billy lying down sleeping but then billy covered like billy covered her herself in dirt uh, and kind of like curled up in a corner 
But as she was doing that, she heard the, the bouncing bunny had already started to echo Billy's uh, lullaby. So then Billy got sleepy and fell asleep uh, hiding and uh, drifted off. Now, meanwhile, while Billy was drifting off in her flashback, the manager of the store was saying, young lady, come out, please come out right now. And Billy was actually absentmindedly eating uh, Super Dino Puffs uh, Jam Edition from the box. Uh, and uh, like I said, I'm calling the community resource office. So Billy just grabbed four boxes at the base of the tower and the rest of the tower of the cereal tumbled over on the manager. You know, just light cereal. Uh, but enough that Billy started walking out of the store with four boxes of uh, Super Puff Dino, you know, Super Jam Dino Puffs or whatever. And then the manager said, oh, no, no, you're cleaning this up, blah, blah, blah. Then Billy sang Pump Up the Jam. And then the boxes, the jam started popping out of the boxes, and then that got all sticky. So it slowed the manager down. Billy left, headed out, uh, back into the woods uh, to eat the Super Dino Puffs. Uh, and as Billy was eating four boxes of Super Dino, you know, Billy was hungry. Uh, Billy drifted back into that memory because Billy had been asleep uh, from the, the big bunnies uh, singing or lullaby singing. But then Billy started to hear the big bunny, uh, very strong words, upset. Where did you go? And Billy woke up uh, and op- opened one eye and saw the bunny that her image was fading. The spell had worn off. And the big bunny was not happy about it. Like the big bunny had gone from curious to, and it also had two goose. It was not just a bunny. It was also a goose. And then Billy must have like opened, Billy just barely moved. And then the bunny turned and the goose, two goose heads looked at Billy. And as a middle schooler, this is already a strange situation. Billy did not like that. And Billy's reaction, having powers, was to use her powers all at once. And she kind of created, now I don't know this for a fact, uh, but Billy saying at the same time in her throat from a distance, uh, going out of, coming out of the dark and groove is in the heart uh, all at once while she was running forward. So I don't know if Billy was creating a sonic drill or melding whatever this was that she was in, because we have, from reading the Southern Swamp Trilogy, we wonder, even though Billy was in, according to Dr. Max, just in an image, a sound-based image, Billy was also in a physical place, uh, which is a bit complex to understand until you accept the theory that there's multiple universes uh, so really, Billy was in a universe like the soundless realm, even though there was sound there. Like, uh, but Billy was so Billy wasn't just tunneling through the sound realm; she was tunneling through the space in between the universes. I can explain this to you so you know that all is well. Uh, to get back to where Billy thought Billy was going to be most secure which was Dr. Max, but Billy was actually already with Dr. Max, so she was only using her mind and powers. So within the um, the, the the room that she was in, with below the swamp, all of a sudden, like, everything started shaking. And I don't know how, how far this was, but pretty far. That's what's kind of mind-bending. And meanwhile, also the big bunny, the goose bunny, was following Billy, uh, and so basically Billy opened up, uh, and not just one, but like, cause also there was like places where there was bedrock or whatever. So Billy had to go around or tree, you know, tree roots. I don't know. Wasn't like from point A to point B. And then the hole like opened inside the lab. Uh, now luckily, uh, there was ectoplasm involved. So it kind of sealed itself kind of, uh, And, of course, Dr. Max said, well, that's uh, impressive and strange and odd. 
And Billy said, what in the heck just happened? I thought you said I, all would be well, Dr. Max. Uh, now I need a nap. But as Billy was like, like in this drift back, she heard us running from the bullies. Uh, and so she headed towards him. And while she saw the bullies kind of talking me towards the road, uh, that was when the vehicle just happened to be coming. And I had stepped out there, not even thinking, like I was just like more focused on the bullies. But Billy also uh, was there. And so Billy floated me up in the air to fly. That's how I saw the back. I saw the um, solar panels. I said, well, those are like in the science magazine as the truck went under me. And then uh, uh, Billy cast some sort of a song of perpetual, the crying game or something, and the two, the, the, the weasels, so they couldn't stop crying. So they went home crying. Uh, and Billy took me down and I helped Billy because Billy was exhausted. And I said, let's go back to my house and we'll all go in the blanket for it and sleep. And so we headed back, but then while we're headed back, uh, Billy said, you know, the, I'm the one that opened it. Like uh, the big bunny goose money is here because of me. It's all my fault. And I said, don't worry, Billy, we'll figure this out together. It's not all your fault. And Billy said, actually, it is. Uh, but really, it was Dr. Max's fault. I mean, come on. But as we went into my house, uh, the uh, the people from the, the place beyond the swamp were watching because they were watching from the van, the anti-Big Bunnies van. Now, just while that was happening, they were, like, calling in to the lab, to the place beyond the swamp, and saying, hey, get everybody together get as many vans and, and as many uh, non-soft power authority figures you have and get over here. We found the duck-billed beaver. Well, they knew it was a platypus, uh, but LJ was watching at this time. So LJ saw them all go out uh, and uh, get into vans. Some of the vans were labeled uh, parents against big bunnies or whatever, and that's when LJ made the connection Wait a second, they were parked out in front of my house, too. They must be headed back. Uh, this must be related to my friends and Billy. And so LJ headed out to run back to let us know. Uh, and we had headed back uh, to, to get some rest. And so that's a good place for all of us to rest, I think, for right now, is uh, to rest and... Uh, We'll be back. I'll be back to tell you more odd things soon, but all will be well. And all of us, I'm here right now telling you the story, relaxed and calm, so you know that you're well and all will be well, as well as can be, because odd things happen. But it's okay, because I'm at my honor here talking to you. Good night.